Hello and welcome to the Bizpreneur podcast. I'm Kevin Ross and I'll be diving deep into conversation with entrepreneurs, hearing their stories, the highs, lows, tips, tricks and tactics, and most importantly to see where we can learn and hopefully be inspired. Going around the school with pockets of change, meeting people at the lockers up at the top of the hill, inside the bathrooms, three years a pop, I was cash rich. We hit every county in Ireland in three weeks. I was like, oh my God, he is going to kill me. Give me 10 euros, here's 700 euros. Now, can I start investing? Hello, 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 and welcome to the first episode of the Bizpreneur podcast. My name is Kevin Ross. I'm 24 years of age from County Kerry in Ireland. I am very excited for this. It's been a long time coming, only now with COVID and things being a bit quieter, with me being in lockdown, the business being closed, I said, why not? Because it's something I'm very passionate about. I love meeting new people. I love networking. I love hearing stories. When COVID hit, the first two months entailed watching over 200 YouTube videos of Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, which you can see how a podcast like this would have been absolutely amazing. Now, I did listen to The Entrepreneur Experiment by Gary Fox. Amazing, make sure you give a listen to it. It's not everyone's forte, it's a niche, but the goal is to encourage entrepreneurship. In this episode, I'm gonna talk a little bit about myself, tell you my business story, and talk about where I wanna see this podcast go. My business journey began when I was about 11 years old. I remember hearing my dad and my uncle-in-law, Tony, talking about investments, and I was like, what's all that about? And he said, if you had one euro and you invested it, and you'd hope to get back two euros. And sure, I thought, wow, that's that's a cool concept. You know, can I do it? I have my Holy Communion confirmation money. If I could double my money like that and get free money, why not? My dad laughed at me and he said, it's most certainly not free money. You have to spend money to make money. I said, right, how can I do it? And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know, but can I take it out? And he said, you have to have an idea first. So I was thinking and thinking and thinking. And uh, so he said, look, a challenge for you. Here's 10 euros. He gave me a 10 euro note and he said, make that into something more than 10 euros. You can't take it from my bedroom. You can't steal it from your mother's purse. Think about it and see how you can turn that into even 11 euros. And if it's 20 euros, well done. So I went down to my uncle's shop and I bought flour, eggs, margarine, and I started making cupcakes. I mean, looking back at it now, it was so innocent. There was no safety. There was no HACCP. There was nothing like that. And it was just... Of course, when you see an 11-year-old child standing outside the shop, you are going to buy a cupcake. And you mightn't even eat it, but you'd still buy it. For the first maybe three weeks, I had a tray. And after that, I brought down a little table. And after about a, maybe two months in total, I kind of said, right, okay, I'm kind of done with this now. <laughs> kind of thinking, my uncle also sells queen buns inside the shop. So I kind of just left that. Out of that, I remember going back to my father with 200 euros. And he said, okay. Go again. This was the summer between primary school and secondary school. I immediately saw, wow, I have a market. And uh, I started to think, okay, how much do they bring for their lunch? I was desperate, but that's how I thought about it. I said, you know, you have the average student that brings between three and five euros a day for their lunch. And I said, how can I grab some of that? And at the time, blackberries were 129 euros. So everyone and their mother had one. 
they were the new biggest thing. A Blackberry be before that were between 600 and 1,000 euros and they were for only business people. It's so funny how nowadays 600 to 1,000 euros is an ordinary phone for a 10-year-old. They were down to 129 euros and the phone covers inside Vodafone were up at 20 euros. So I ended up doing a deal for silicone covers from some fella in China. I had a prepaid card called a 3V card that you could go down to the shop, top it up, pay your fee of one or two euros and you could buy online. He guaranteed me a 10 day turnaround from the day I ordered to the day I received them. There was a batch of 10 and it was random every week. So then I tried to sell them. After maybe the third week, I had too many black or I had too many yellow and people wanted green. So I had to wait for the next batch and if a green one came, that person would get it. But if three people wanted green, I'd have to wait another week to get the second person the green. I went back to him and I said, look, if I put in an order every single week, can I customize what colors I get? It's as simple as that. If you don't ask, you won't get. So every week on a Sunday night, I put in my order. I put it up on my Facebook. People, it was word of mouth around the school. People were coming to me between classes. I sold them at the top of the hill after school. And at the end of it, I sold 78 Blackberry covers. They were four euros and I bought them for one euro and eight cent. So I went back to my father again and said, now look what I have. And he said, go on, you're getting good at this, go again. And it started to become a little bit of a game. The next thing, which I could have gotten in massive trouble for now, um, I hope no teachers are listening to this. Red pointer lasers, that was me. I ordered in 150 red pointer lasers. The first batch was 100 of them. Out of the 100, 20 were actually broken when they came, so I had 80 left. They were working out it, I got them in for 79 cent a piece when you took out the 20 that were broken. I sold them very quickly for three euros, and then I got another batch of 50. They absolutely flew. I ended up going around the school with pockets of change, meeting people at the lockers up at the top of the hill, inside the bathrooms, three euros a pop. I was cash rich. The school bus inspector is a very close family friend. At the time, I remember him asking me, Kevin, have you got one of those red pointer lasers? I was like, no. I said, why so? And he said, basically that he was getting phone calls from the bus drivers saying that the students were pointing the red lasers at the mirror which was reflecting into the bus driver's eyes i was like oh my god he is going to kill me but sure i was just so driven i was like i'm stay going with this like and it was only years later we brought it up and we laughed about it but god it could have been serious and so, with all of it, the Queen Buns, the Black Break Covers, and the Red Pointer Lasers, I ended up with in and around the 700 euros mark. So I went back to my dad and I said, look, you give me 10 euros, here's 700 euros. Now, can I start investing? I came back with the idea of bouncy castles. He was straight on board. He was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I can help you because I was only 12 and a half, 13 at the time. So... Driving wasn't an option for me. We, I looked it up. There was an exhibition up in Dublin on the 30th of January, 2010. We ended up going to Dublin. I went into the credit union, took out all my money, had to leave 10 euros aside there to keep it open. It was all my community confirmation money. Went to Dublin, walked into this big shed and it was full of bouncy castles. I thought, wow, and it's so funny, even when I was growing up, I didn't actually like bouncy castles. 
but I was so close to having something like something that was my own a business I thought yeah let's go with this I can make something of this and it was kind of like a more of a impulse buy not much thought put into it and uh yeah I went with it my budget wasn't massive so all I could really afford was two plain ordinary small bouncy castles no slides no anything like that just balloons all over them that was it nothing more I was so happy we were going home in the car and I thought this is brilliant we stopped in in one of the junctions to get diesel. And my dad turns to me and he says, Right, so? I said, What? Have you money for diesel? And I thought, But that's your job. Like, I'm not paying for diesel. You're the adult here. And he goes, Well, you're in business now. And that's an expense of a business. I had 50 euros left. And I'm thinking, Oh my God. I have no money. So he'll put 50 euros into the car. And that meant all I had left was 10 euro inside my credit union account. And I was devastated. I actually think I started crying inside the car thinking, this is not what I signed up for. This doesn't sound right at all. And he turned to me and he said, you're asset rich, but you're cash poor. I then had to try and figure out what does asset rich and cash poor mean. I was asset rich because I had two bounce castles that had a lot of potential. But I was cash poor. Two months later, the bouncy castles arrived. I got my first hire from a friend of my dad's. Went up, hired it, got 90 euros from that. Went away, spent that on business cards and posters. I stuck them up in the chipper, the shop, the post office, the hardware shops. Anywhere I could, there was a poster about bouncy castles up. I remember if I had one a month, I thought I was made. I will say at the very start, it was hard to... Get used to talking on the phone, get used to interacting with people. I hadn't a clue. A moment that I will never forget, and I've been reminded many times by my dad, was when it was one of the first phone calls that I got of people looking for a bouncy castle. The number came up on the phone, I hadn't it saved, so I knew it was a bouncy castle call. I went out in the hallway, my mom and dad were in the kitchen making the dinner. Went out, hi, how are you? She was like, oh yeah, no, I'd just like to book a bouncy castle. Like there was not even an introduction and it was like straight away I said, oh look, look, is there any chance you can call back later? My mom has dinner on the table. And your one was silent and she goes, oh yeah, you have your priorities right. And like I said, okay, thanks, bye. And I went back into the kitchen just about to ask, what does she mean by I have my priorities right? And I got a look from the two of them in shock and on the verge of breaking their asses laughing at me. And uh, they said, what did you say to her? And I told them. And they just said, Kevin, you have a lot to learn. And um, I got a little bit of a debrief of how to answer the phone and how to take it as priority when the phone does ring. And um, yeah, let's just say I didn't get that booking in the end. So after the first year, I had the two plain small ones and it was time to upgrade it was time to get another one so i got another really, really small one it was a minion themed one with a tiny slide in the side of it now the minion movie was just about to come out this was the planning in my head that hopefully that it would take off and i was so happy it absolutely took off it was the only minion bounce castle in north Kerry. everyone wanted it it was 120 years a pop saturday and sunday every single weekend for the whole summer that is what brought me to the next stage in the business where I was able to get an obstacle course. I never saw it in sight. 
Looking at the business today, we're covering all of Kerry, West Limerick and parts of North Cork. And when you're covering a larger area, you have more phone calls. Now, as of 2020, last year, um, we now have a call centre answering the phone calls because what was happening was I was missing phone calls. And when you miss the phone call, people move on next company. So the business has grown leaps and uh, really excited for 2021. There's a lot in planned that was put on hold from last year. So let's hope we open up soon and get going. Moving up to today, there is 22 bounce castles and garden games. between slides, disco domes, obstacle courses, playing bounce castles, combis, dartboards, climbing walls. And actually, end of this year, um, marquees. I haven't announced it yet, but I suppose I can just say it here. Um, yeah, marquees. At the time, the only way for me to advertise the bouncy castles was simply business cards, posters, Facebook. Instagram came down the line, but Facebook was the one where it was free. At the time, there was no such thing as having to do um, ad spends because a lot of it was organic. Nowadays, there's a lot more businesses using Facebook to advertise. It's, it's very diluted. To get a very high reach, money has to be involved with regards to ad spend and conversions. So I used Facebook to my advantage and it worked very well. It got me off the ground, it expanded the business and I suppose I'd learned so much about it. I'd been to so many webinars online learning on how to make this work well for the Bouncy Castles that I had a great knowledge of it. And KR Communications came by where it's a social media marketing agency. It was one of those things that just wasn't planned at all. It just happened. I was getting my hair cut, talking to the barber, and I just asked, how come we don't have Facebook and social media, you know, to advertise? And the answer was, they just didn't know how to do it and didn't know how to go about it. And I said, look, can I chance it for you? And they were like, yeah, grand. So we just did a deal. It was basically a barber situation. Got my hair cut and um, I got gel and that was it. And uh, we did that for about a year. One person referred on to another person. The barber referred on to someone else. We got a beauticians, restaurants, clothes shops, supermarkets. I was liking what was happening. I was getting excited about it. I said, wow, this can be another revenue stream. And I was really enjoying it. So from there, I knew that there was no point me. And it was ironic. It was There was no point me advertising this business online. Because the people I wanted to see it weren't online. I quickly found out that my target market was the person that didn't know anything about social media, didn't want to know anything about social media, and hadn't the time to do it. They were the people I targeted through cold calls, cold emails, calling into the shops, talking to the business owners, showing them what their competitors are doing, speaking to them of the possibilities of going online, increasing sales, increasing brand awareness. And from there, with possibly the same speech going into every single client, it worked. And all along, it's always been the people that weren't on social media that I really wanted to get. Now my clients are so diverse. Some of them have, they're just starting to go on social media. Some of them are on it with a while and have just gotten stale. They need new creative ideas. People have gotten sick of managing it. And looking back on it, it all started sitting, getting my hair cut which makes me smile because it 
most certainly was not planned and it got legs of itself and it took off. I was never a lover for books, study, leaving cert, exams and tests and I hated it, I was never any good at it, but I always had a flair for business. I did my leaving cert and the done thing of going to college. I did my few years down in CIT down in Cork. I got a business and marketing degree. Now, would I go back again? No. I mean, there were parts that I loved. I met really fantastic people and friends for life. The best part of it was the marketing. I had a lecturer there, Lisa Scannell, her name was. Absolutely changed my total view on marketing and what it entails and the different types of marketing, the digital marketing, the social marketing, the experiential marketing. It just blew my mind. I was just so excited to go to that one class to see what is she going to say next. As part of our coursework, we had live showcases to present to real brands, to present to owners of brands. So we had a Kyo's Crisps. Tom Kyo came down, gave his debrief. Our task was to create a experiential marketing campaign to bring his brand to life, to interact and engage with his customers. And this was to promote his new range of crinkle cut crisps. Absolutely fantastic. You know, I mean, I really just kind of saw another side to marketing that helped me 100% in everything I'm doing. I wouldn't be good at sitting down studying for exams. But when it came to standing up giving a presentation, not a bother in the world. I went to college and my roommates will say it. I never came out of the room. I was a hermit because I was working. It wasn't studying, like, you know, you'd see me at the desk and you'd think, oh, he's studying. But no, I was actually updating Facebook pages. I was taking the bouncy castle calls. I was walking out in the middle of lectures to take a call for a bouncy castle. I was just so dedicated to the businesses. That's what I wanted it to work. Um, but look, it was definitely experience. Um, I loved Cork. It's now Munster Technological University. And funny thing is, I actually work for MTU. I am the Society's Officer inside, which was IT Trilly. So yeah, that's my Monday to Friday job in the college. Um, bouncy Castles at the weekends, social media in the mornings and the evenings. And yeah, just trying to fill up the week, trying to be as productive as possible and make use of time. Us being in the third lockdown now with COVID, Bouncy Castles are still not up and running. So we're just waiting to see what happens. Hoping to be up and running by May for communions. But I don't know, we're gonna to have to just see what Michal and Leo say. Stay tuned. Many times I have been referred to as Del Boy from Only Fools and Horses. Del Boy is the guy that uh, always wants to try to get a quick book before sitting down for his pint. I suppose I'm always trying to come up with something and if something comes into my head, it's just like, do it, just go do it, try it, chance it. It's like the national lottery, if you're not in, you can't win. And in business, if you don't try, you won't know whether you would have succeeded or not. I am a huge risk taker. I suppose going back about three years ago, I said, right, the bounce castles are seasonal. They're not all year round. When you're looking at September all the way right through till February or March, that's a long time that when the bounce castles are not as busy as they would be in the summer. 
I focused on what could I do around Christmas and Christmas lasts. So it's the month before Christmas and you've the whole month of December. So you have two solid months there of possible sale time. The idea that came into my head was selling elves with personalized Santa letters, nice list certificates, elf adoption certificates, elf rules. Got my elves in from China. I ordered 500 elves and they arrived. And I was looking at them thinking, have I made a mistake here now? How am I going to sell these? So started in, silly of me, I was so eager to sell. I said September, oh, they'll sell in September, but no. So they didn't start selling until November. I put them up and I started doing Facebook ads and one sale here and one sale there. And what I was putting into ads was basically the profit that was on the ones I was selling. So it wasn't working and I was thinking, how am I supposed to ship these 500 elves that are sitting inside in the dining room? I had already invested in the elves. I had templates for the letters and everything made up. I had bought all my packaging. I had everything ready to go, but I couldn't sell them. So I did a massive brainstorm and I texted all my friends to see, did they follow any bloggers or influencers? that they felt would enjoy this elf pack for their kids. So I emailed and Instagram messaged a few of the influencers and bloggers and I got a very surprising response. Uh, 2,000 euros, 4,000 euros, 3,500 euros to mention the elf pack. So I said, absolutely not. That was a great introduction to influencer marketing to me. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there were a load of fabulous bloggers out there and even the ones that charged I'm sure they're nice, but I hadn't the budget to pay anyone to get this off the ground, so I was only chance on my arm. And they were very nice. They came back to me. They thanked me. They said they enjoyed it. I was happy. They were happy. In the end, I didn't have to go to any agency, which was fantastic. I took this chance. For some, it didn't work. Others, it did. Trying to research to get the right information to have on the personalized letters was like being in the FBI. Oh my God find their kids names and what age they were it was the most creepiest thing trying to see when last they post about the kid's birthday calculating ahead what age is the child it's before or after christmas to make sure the age is right because santa knows your age it went from there where i was inside in the dining room at home and all these blockers were calling out my products and it was like shouting out their promo codes uh, shouting out about thanks to the team but there was an app on my phone that every time i got a sale it, the noise came ching it was like i had won the lottery every single time it went off i was like yes go on so i went up to the post office the first day because i had no deal done with couriers or anything like that um i learned from it that there's different ways of going about posting and something as simple as a sticker on a package can put you over the threshold up your postage by two or three euros. It was a great learning curve and I'm glad I learned it. It was a busy month, all the way up until the second week of December. The packs ranged between 20 and 45 euros. It went very quickly from me walking up with them in my hand to a small box, then I got a bigger box, and then I just said, oh God, how am I gonna bring these up? So I ended up bringing two wash baskets. So they ended up coming with me and I walk in the door and they're looking at me behind the counter, still not knowing now after about two weeks, what is inside in these packages? So nobody behind the counter just goes, Kevin, what are they? And I was like, it's an elf. She couldn't understand the concept. So I was like, Grant, I'll bring you up one. 
So still to this day, how many years later? She still has the elf up every Christmas inside in the post office. There was people tagging us. There was promo codes, 10% off. We hit every county in Ireland in three weeks. The following year, it was simple as sending out a retargeted email and orders started coming in from people that had bought the year before. Not ordering the elves, but ordering the personalised letters for that year. The name of the child, where they're based, what school they went to, what age they were, what gifts they got for Christmas last year, favourite hobby. Then the parents could add in something like saying, oh, thank you for helping your sister. Well done on your training for soccer or basketball. It was really personalised and the parents loved it and the kids loved it. And the reaction videos were amazing. We used them to share on Facebook and Instagram, which got more sales and got other people seeing other kids having them. So it was just a domino effect. Um, so that was year two. Year three, it totally flopped. And it was completely my fault. I can't blame nobody else, only myself. It's coming into the last week of November and I said, right, so I'll get going with this now again and realize, Kevin, you needed about two weeks work before this to get this going between ordering the packaging, having the influencer packs ready, finding out all the information for the, for the personalized letters, Left it too late, I knew it straight away, so I pulled the website there and then and said, look, if I'm not going to do it right, I'm not going to do it at all. So over the next few months, I will be planning ahead and by God will I be ready for Christmas 2021. I won't leave it like I did last year. There's new products on the way, it's going to be an exciting time and look, as the saying says, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. So just before I finish up this podcast, there was one question that came up over and over again and that was, how do you start the business? I cannot tell you how to start the business. It really, it's up to yourself and you need to find the drive and motivation somewhere. And as you know from listening to the podcast, my motivation came from my mom and dad. And hopefully through the Businesspreneur podcast, you can listen to like-minded business people where they will share their story, share their drive, share their motivation because to start a business, you need discipline, determination, and you need a good work ethic. If you want someone to hear out your idea, Go to the local enterprise office. There's mentors there that will help you. I've been to many of them over the years. It's free. So take advantage of it and make use out of it. It could be the difference of making a business rather than sitting on the idea. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Bizchepreneur podcast. I really appreciate it. It was a nerve-wracking experience. I will have to say that. I am looking forward to our very first guest. Stay tuned to our Instagram page, Bistrepreneur Podcast, and like, subscribe, rate, review, and all that good stuff, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and goodbye.